And for our scripture reading this morning, we'll turn again to the gospel according to Luke. We'll continue on in, in chapter 13. So Luke chapter 13. And our focus this morning will be on uh, verses 22 through 30. We'll begin reading at verse 18. Luke chapter 13, beginning at verse 18. Then Jesus said, What is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a mustard seed which a man took and put in his garden, and it grew and became a large tree, and the birds of the air nested in its branches. And again he said, To what shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till it was all leavened. And he went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside, and knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you where you are from. And then you will begin to say, We ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you where you are from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out. And they will come from the east and the west, from the north and from the, and the south, and sit down in the kingdom of God. And indeed, there are last who will be first, and there are first who will be last. On that very day, some Pharisees came saying to him, Get out and depart from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, Go tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. Nevertheless, I must journey today, tomorrow, and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish outside of Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, How often I wanted to gather your children together, as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate, and assuredly I say to you, you shall not see me until the time comes, when you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This far our scripture reading. Dear congregation, Last week we heard of the growth of the kingdom of heaven. How that it begins so small, even as small as a mustard seed, and then it begins to grow and to expand until it becomes the largest tree in the garden. And it shows how the kingdom of God will encompass this whole earth until it covers the whole world. And just like the leaven, the yeast that was in the bread, it will continue to grow until every corner of that loaf 
has been filled, has been leavened, has been reached with that yeast. And so it is with the kingdom of God. Today the kingdom is expanding. Today the kingdom is, is growing. But one day it will be finished. One day it will be complete. And here today we see in verses 22 through 30 how that kingdom will come to a close. Now people are being gathered into that kingdom. Now the gates of heaven are standing wide open. But the day will come when those walls will be built and the doors will be closed and there will be no more sinners added to it. And then those gates will be shut for ent- for forever. And then those who have entered in through those gates will be inside that kingdom forever and ever and ever. Without sin, without evil, without pain. But there will also be those who have never entered through the door of the Lord Jesus Christ. And who will forever be barred out of the eternal kingdom of God. All sin will be shut out forever. All those who have never received the forgiveness of sins will be shut out forever. And so here we can see and hear the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ as he speaks to his people. And he's saying, make sure that you will be in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is saying, and he warns us here that once that gate closes, There will be many people standing outside, some even so close that they can knock on the door of heaven, but who cannot come inside. And just like he said to to the Pharisees or the people here in Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets, how often I wanted to gather you together like a a hen gathers her chickens, her chicks to protect them and to, to deliver them, but you were not willing And so our theme here this morning is gathered at the gates of heaven. Gathered at the gates of heaven. And first we see the question in verse 23. Someone came to the Lord Jesus and he asked him, Lord, are there few that are saved? That's what he was asked as the Lord Jesus went through all these villages and was teaching the people. Are there only a few people then that will be saved? And are there only a few that will be delivered like this woman that we heard of last time who who was bent over in her infirmities? Will there only be a few that will be delivered from the power of their sin and the power of of Satan? Because the Jews here, a lot of them thought that the whole nation would someday be saved through their Messiah. They thought that all the Jews would would be delivered by their Messiah. And there are some people that think that way today too. That somehow everyone in this world will end up going to heaven, no matter what their life was like. There's others who think a little bit more narrow, and they say, well, as long as you go to church, or as long as you follow these routines, or as long as you've prayed this prayer, you'll go to heaven. But Jesus here, he has been teaching that there's a sharp line of division between those who are saved and those who are not saved. He's been teaching that you must repent of your sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He says only those who deny themselves and follow the Lord Jesus Christ are true disciples. 
He says only those who do the word and not only those who hear the word are the ones who are saved. He says only those who bear fruit in their lives are ones who have the living faith in their heart. Only those who are born again. And so maybe we can understand why this man comes to Jesus with this question. Are there only a few that will be saved? Those sound like such harsh and sharp lines, Lord Jesus. Why, how, it seems like that's an impossible line to cross. It's so it seems impossible for anyone to be saved. Are there then only a few that will be saved? And what he was probably thinking might be what we are thinking and what the Lord Jesus wants us to think. Or maybe in a different way, this man was thinking, what are the chances that I will be included in that number? What the Lord Jesus wants us to ask, am I also, will I, what side of the gate of heaven will I stand on? See, Jesus doesn't answer his question directly, but he uses a parable to teach us all an important lesson. Because instead of wondering how many people and what are the chances that I will be included in that number, Jesus makes us ask, will or am I saved? Will I be part of God's kingdom? That's what matters for each one of us. It doesn't matter what the rest of the world is doing. But the question is, will I enter the gates of heaven? And that's what Jesus points us to here in verse 24. He says, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. So he says, I say to you. He doesn't say it just to that one man standing, but this is in the plural, to everyone who hears and everyone who is listening. He says to everyone, seek to enter. And so he says, strive to enter now because the time is coming when that will no longer be possible. And so here, the emphasis that the Lord Jesus has in this parable is ultimately on that gate of heaven in eternity, that final entrance into the eternal glories of heaven. That's why he says in in verse 25 that when once the master, that is Christ of the house, has risen up, and, and he shuts that door of opportunity, then that kingdom will be closed forever. He's not saying, however, that many will come to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation and will be rejected. That's not what he's saying. He says, in the scriptures, he says the very opposite. He says, all those who come to me, he will by no means cast out. And he says that door of salvation is now open to to everyone who comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. But he is saying that the day will come when that door of opportunity is closed. And when it will no longer be possible to be saved. And so what the Lord Jesus Christ is, is pressing upon us and the people here is do not presume. Do not presume that everything is just well. But make sure that you know the Lord. Do not just assume like you're in a safe, that you're in a safe category like, like these Pharisees did because of what they do. Don't say, well, I study the law or I, I go to church or I've made confession or I follow these traditions. I think I should be okay. Because if we have not been born again by the Spirit of God, we will not be able to enter through the gates of heaven 
when we die. Eternal life, John says, is to know the Lord, the one, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom he has sent. And that's exactly what the Lord here says to the people who reject it. He says, I tell you, I do not know you. And so we need to, we must all individually know the Lord by faith. And so he's, he's saying don't pre- be presumptuous. And he, he, he points us to the urgency and to the call to examine our own hearts, whether we be in the faith. And he says the Christian life is a life of striving. Paul says fight the good fight of faith. And so he uses this parable to, to explain this to us. And he wants to bring across to us that there is coming a time when, when it's no longer possible. And so a few years ago, we as a family were traveling. And, and we had to go through an airport to, to, meet our, to catch our connecting flight. And we had an hour and a half layover there in Toronto. And so we immediately get off the one plane and start heading down the terminals to the next. And... We, we drag along with us our, our carry-on luggage and our four tired children. And as we lay, waited in these long lines, we, we saw the time kept creeping closer to the time of departure. And finally, we get called to the, to the desk of the, uh, of the, the border patrols, and uh, they, they've checked our passports, and they cleared us, and we could go to the gate. And so we took off running it's the last stretch to the gate uh, for the airplane. And half out of breath, we come to the gate and we, we hand them our passports. And they say, sorry, the gate has been closed. So she goes out, maybe I can call the plane and see if the plane's door is still open. But she calls and no, that door, the plane has been shut too. And then we began to stand outside that gate at the desk. And we came up with, up with our excuses. And we said, but there was a delay at, at, at the border check. And, but they said, sorry, the door is closed. And, and we say, well, our, our, our luggage would have been on that plane. Sorry, it'll come back off. And no amount of frequent flyers could open that gate anymore. And no amount of, of children standing around us looking sad it could make them change their mind. And so we stood in front of a closed and locked door. And the only reason we cannot enter through that gate is because we were too late. We thought we had all we needed. We had our passports. We followed the right paths. We went through the security checkpoints. Verse 24 says, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter in. And will not be able when once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door. And you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say, I do not know you where you are from. And then you'll begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. And so Jesus is saying, strive to enter in. Hurry that you're not too late. This striving, it means to, to agonize. And when you think of this word, striving or agonizing, it, you can picture a wrestling ring where two people are wrestling to win the match. 
The Christian life is a life of wrestling, fighting against sin and against uh, Satan's temptations and against our own uh, sinful flesh. We don't win a wrestling match by relaxing in an armchair. It's but there's, there's a striving, there's an agonizing, and the Christian life is a life of fighting the good fight. We, you do not coast into heaven doing nothing. But there's an urgency to make sure that you will not be too late. Now, this does not imply that salvation is by works, but it does imply that salvation is not without works, but that it's, it is by grace alone, and God gives that enabling grace to produce that fighting against sin, that agonizing in this life. Fighting the good fight of faith, Paul says. And so what is the evidence of our salvation? It's a life that is dedicated to good works, a life dedicated to God and to, to holiness. It's not a cold, it's not a lifeless, it's not a lethargic attitude hoping that we can just coast into heaven or as it were win a wrestling match doing nothing the gospel tells us what we need it shows us the way of salvation but jesus here is is also giving a warning for those who are walking down the hallways of this life thinking that all is well when there really is no departing from sin thinking that there's enough time. And many people do follow the right paths, and they they go to church at least once. You would read your Bibles at home, and you pass all the security checkpoints, so to speak. You did confession of faith. But do you strive to enter in by the narrow gate, by faith and repentance in Christ? And does does that life evidence itself? Because there's no striving if there is no desire to live a holy life with God, if there's no repentance for sin, as the Lord also reveals it in our heart. There's no striving if you don't want to live separate from a world that is opposed to God and His church. Some people use the expression, you live with one foot in the church and one foot in the world. You think you can do both. But, but God calls us to be separate. No striving, there's no, there's no hunger, there's no, no thirst, there's no desire, no love in the heart for God. Well, there might be a desire to go to heaven. Everyone wants to go to heaven. But is there a striving to make sure that you are on the way there? Striving is a wholehearted effort, devoted entirely to God. Do you live like you belong to God? Many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at that door, because then it will be too late. We cannot enter the gates of the eternal heaven if we have never entered by faith the door of Jesus Christ. If the first gate we come to is the gates of heaven in eternity, those gates will be shut. And you'll begin to stand outside that gate, but it will be closed. And you might come with your excuses as we did in the airport and say, well, there was a delay. I didn't hear it on time. I didn't respond on time. I didn't want to leave my sins on time. Sorry, the gates are shut. 
But then you might begin to say, Lord, Lord, open to us. These words repeated twice to show familiarity. They were used to speaking to the Lord. There's there's a certain friendship there. We're frequent attenders. We've called on your name often. Verse 26, we ate and drank in your presence. Lord, we even partook of the Lord's Supper. You, you, you taught in our streets. We sat under the preaching. We, we went to catechism class. We went to Sunday school class. We, we studied all these doctrines that salvation is by grace alone. We didn't do the things we weren't supposed to. We working on Sunday. We, we made it through those checkpoints. The confessions of faith or what it may be. But in verse 27, he, sa- he shall say, I tell you, I do not know you where you are from. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. When those doors are shut, then there is nothing that we can do. Once that door for that plane was shut, they are forbidden to open it again. And once the master of the house has risen up and shut that door, he cannot, will not open it again. There's no possibility of salvation after we die. There's no grace. There's no mercy if we die unsaved. And he says, today is the day of salvation. And so there we stood as a family looking out that window and the plane was still sitting there. And you can see those passengers sitting behind the little windows. But we stood outside the gate. That was our flight home. And you can imagine all the emotions that rise up, the anger, the frustration, the, the, the questions, the, the exhaustion. exhaustion. And verse 28 says, There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and, and you yourselves thrust out. Now, we didn't get thrown out, but I'm sure if we kept knocking on that door, we would have. But it says here, they will be thrust out, forcefully expelled. When death comes, you would wish to go to heaven. And even if you try, you cannot. And then you'll look through that window of eternity, as it were, and you will see into the kingdom of heaven. You'll see there Abraham, that father, the faithful sitting. You'll see Isaac, and you'll see Jacob, and you'll see those prophets. There's, there's Isaiah, and there's, there's Daniel who prayed for his nation. There's, there's Hosea, and there's, there's Malachi. And, and who's that? There, there, there's Mary, who, who the people said was a sinner. And there's that thief on the cross who in the dying hours of his life called upon the Lord. You begin to see, and you see all the people there in heaven who you thought were sinners, who you thought would never make it to heaven. How did they get in and not me? And then all those emotions would, would rise up, that weeping, that anguish, that disappointment. That I, I should have hurried too late. The gnashing of teeth, the anger, the bitterness that they made it. I thought I was a better person than they were. Many shall seek to enter in, but not be able. That's why Peter says, make your calling and your election sure. Some who walk together in this world will be divided by the gates of heaven, separated for all eternity. They had a mistaken confidence. And look how close they got right to the very gates of heaven, so close that they could knock figuratively, but still not 
close enough. They never doubted they would enter or else they would have done something else. They would have cried out like the thief on the cross. They wanted to enter or else they would not have continued in this path. They would have turned around. What hurts the most is standing at the window and seeing how close we were to getting on that plane. What will hurt the most is to see how close you were to heaven if you never make it through. Paul says, examine yourself, whether you be in the faith. And Jesus says here, I say to you, plural, to everyone, all of us need to strive to enter. Because only an empty seeking, an empty desire for heaven will not get us into heaven. Do you stand on the word of God alone? On the convictions of God's alone? to persevere in holiness through the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. This man asked, are there few that be saved? Why does Jesus answer with with a parable? His first answer is strive to enter in, in the narrow gate. Agonize by not caving to the cultural pressures of our day, not compromising the, the, the biblical truth, not bending the right and the wrong, but seeking to know and to do God's Word, agonized by wrestling against sin, and that in, through, in our lives through prayer and seeking God's grace to overcome, not allowing those sins to harbor and to live in our hearts and lives, wrestling by using the means of the grace that God has given to seek His blessing, wrestling for that obedience to God and His Word, to be doers and not hearers only. Are there few? Verse 29 says, They will come from the east and from the west and from the north and the south and sit down in the kingdom of God. And indeed, there are last who will be first, and there are first who shall be last. Are there then only few? No, there will be many, many from every corner of the earth. They will come. Revelation 7 says a great multitude which no man could number of all nations of kindreds, languages and tongues stood before the throne and before the lamb clothed in in white robes. And so there is the encouragement for Christians who strive and who because life does have many trials and, and tribulations, many difficulties. In Revelation 7, verse 14 says, They are they which come out of great tribulation, who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Verse 30 said that there are last who shall be first, and there are first who shall be last. Some who think that they're in front of the line will find out that they're in the back, that they'll be standing in front of a closed door. But there are those who are last. They know they are last. They can see You can see who they are in the airport. They're the ones checking their watches. They're the ones running to the gate, running down the hallways, afraid to miss their flight, afraid to find a closed door. Those are the sinners who cry, Lord, is there still mercy for me now for such a one as I am? They live in that repentance for their sin, coming to the Lord with a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Even 
And especially God's people like David did when he fell into sin who comes to him. And as we sang in, in Psalter, or from Psalm 51, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. They acknowledge that they are last. They acknowledge that they are not worthy. They acknowledge that they don't deserve to be given entrance. But they confess their transgressions. And like that prodigal son, he said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against thee, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. They're afraid of facing that closed door, but they continually find mercy with God through Jesus Christ. Even like that thief on the cross, they realize that they have closed that door themselves because of their own sin. But they also see that only the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who can hold that door open for them. And he has opened that door because he has stood before that closed door. When on the cross he faced the agony of the wrath of God against our sin. Where he bore that anguish. And he again opened that door for sinners. Are there many? Yes, there will also be many. There will be many who will enter through the gates of heaven's glory to be gathered in and to sit around in the, the table with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the presence of the King of glory. But the Lord Jesus also warns us that there will be many who will stand outside on that day. And the question that we need to go with is which many do you and I belong to? Will you be gathered inside the gates of heaven on the great day? Or will you be standing outside so close that you can knock? That is why Jesus says, Now strive to enter in at the narrow gate. Amen.